Hi everyone, I'm Jyoti Karadi. Welcome to the Queen Mary's Legal Bites podcast on facial recognition technology and its pros and cons. Legal Bites podcasts are produced by the postgraduate law students of Queen Mary University of London. Hello, my name is Janvi Mehta. Jyoti and I are master students at Queen Mary University of London and we are both specializing in technology, media and telecommunications law. In today's podcast, we have invited Samita Patel, Senior Director of the Privacy and Data Compliance Practice at leading consultancy firm Alvarez and Marcel. Over the last 10 years, Sam has specialized in designing and implementing complex privacy compliance programs and has been advising prominent global companies on a range of privacy and data protection matters. Thank you, Sam, for being with us today to share your valuable experience and thoughts. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you both. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you both today. Let us begin by considering what FRT entails. As I understand it, FRT is a technology that can identify human faces by using biometric data of each person associated with the face and facial expression. Essentially, it's a process of biometric identification, which uses unique mathematical and dynamic patterns. FRT numerically analyzes the incoming data, in this instance, the face of the person to be identified, and matches the same with existing data. Driven by AI and machine learning technologies, FRT works efficiently in comparing and analyzing human faces. To add to that, FRT continues to be the preferred biometric benchmark. This is because it's easy to implement and FRT does not require physical interaction with the end users. Moreover, face detection and face matches are speedy. Talking of applications, FRT is used in verification and authentication. For example, phones use FRT to identify authentic users. Likewise, we see the usage of FRT in access to buildings, security measures at airports, identification of missing people and criminals by the police, etc. The uses are galore. That's a great overview of FRT and some of its interesting use cases. But before we move on to some of the questions that you have for me, I was wondering what stance do each of you take when it comes to the use of FRT? In your opinion, is it advantageous or disadvantageous? Janvi, perhaps you can go first. Well, I'm more apprehensive about the implications of FRT rather than being in favour of it. Some general concerns with regard to using FRT include the fact that little is known about how facial recognition data is stored and thus could lead to databases being hacked. The potential for databases to be breached is not a fictional scenario. Previously, intruders have hacked into and gained access to the data held by the facial recognition company Clearview AI, whom have been known to work with US law enforcement agencies. Another concern relates to the fact that we are continuously being observed through the use of FRT. As I see it, there is almost an intrusive feeling in knowing that we are constantly being recorded and scanned for the use of FRT. Here I would pose the question as to whether the advantages of this particular technology really do outweigh the limits of our personal freedoms. 
And finally, we must admit that the technology used is not perfect. And so there is a possibility that the FRT is being used in an inaccurate manner. Well, I think otherwise. In my view, the advantages of FRT outweigh its concerns. In the UK, the use of FRT is regulated by the Data Protection Act 2018. Since the use of FRT involves collect, collecting biometric data, one must comply with the collection and processing obligations that apply to processing sensitive personal data under UK law. Therefore, the controller or the entity that collects the biometric data must conduct a data protection impact assessment, DPIA, before deployment of FRT. Further, the controller must have an appropriate policy document that should contain how processing complies with the law, especially the consent, retention, and erasure of biometric data. In a recent case of Edward Bridges in August 2020, the Royal Courts of Justice of London in an appeal held that the use of FRT by the police at Queen Street and Motorpoint Arena violated the provisions of the UK Data Protection Act and the European Convention of Human Rights. What is noteworthy here is that the use of FRT was not prohibited by the court. Instead, the court underscored compliance of the law when FRT is used. In sum, there should not be any concerns about misuse of biometric data if FRT users comply with the UK data protection law or any other applicable law in word and spirit. Lastly, about technology being imperfect, we must admit that there are chances of FRT going wrong in identifying people because of the positioning of the camera, lighting levels, video quality, etc. I'm sure we can fix these issues. After all, we cannot throw the baby with the bathwater. Thank you both. I feel that despite certain challenges, FRT may well be here to stay and it's certainly being considered and factored into regulation. However, the concerns regarding its use or misuse perhaps are continuing to be discussed by regulators and industry bodies. John Vu, would you mind elaborating on some of your concerns? Yes, definitely, Sam. One of my major concerns relates to the lack of transparency. I'm sure we would all agree on the fact that our face, unlike other biometrics such as fingerprinting, is something that we cannot hide. Thus, it can be argued that there is a potential for facial recognition technology to be conducted in a discreet and remote way, wherein we are not aware of when an image of our face is taken. Such a concern has been identified by the Information Commissioner's Office, who in May 2022 fined Clearview AI more than £7.5 million for collecting in excess of 20 billion images of people's faces in the UK. These images and data were obtained from social media and the internet with the purpose of creating an online database available to the whole world which could be used for facial recognition. And so my question to you, Sam, would be that given the apparent lack of transparency, particularly with regard to mass surveillance, do you think that we should be in fear of FRT? In my opinion, we shouldn't really fear FRT, but focus on its regulation and implementation. Regardless of the perception of risk in some of the FRT use cases you've mentioned, 
The stricter requirements under the UK and many other international privacy laws for processing special categories of personal data will always apply. These laws are meant to ensure transparency. In the Clearview AI case, the ICO found a lack of evidence for some of the more basic privacy principles, including transparency and retention. In addition, some of the additional requirements for processing special categories of data had also not been addressed. These requirements, as Jothi has mentioned, include conducting DPIAs to address privacy risks, establishing the necessity of the data collection in the first place, properly determining the legal basis, and meeting additional conditions, such as perhaps obtaining explicit consent. All of these compliance requirements, if implemented appropriately, ensure that organisations have clearly thought about, documented and communicated what they are doing with the individual's data when using FRT. Thank you for answering my question, Sam. My second question relates to law enforcement. The US, like the London Metropolitan Police Service, has been using FRT to arrest individuals whom they believe have committed a crime. However, there have been several instances wherein the technology has not been accurate. There have been three known cases wherein the results from FRT has led to wrongful accusations being made based on an individual's race. Similar to this, Amazon's recognition machine learning had a 31% error rate for ethnic minority females. And thus, it can be argued that such wrongful arrests negatively affect ethnic minorities and for this reason there should be a concern about the dangerous nature of FRT in relation to racist policing. This concern has been recognised by Amnesty International who have gone as far as to say that such mass surveillance should be totally banned. And so Sam, going forward, what measures can be put in place to eliminate racial bias and do you think that the onus should fall on corporates to implement preventative measures to tackle misuse? Good question, Stanvi. So to your first question about eliminating racial bias, AI's accuracy depends on the quantity and quality of data sets. Racial discrimination can often occur when the data set is limited or the results or assumptions are not being properly checked or validated. If the AI is fed with unbalanced data, it's more likely that the inferences and results may be skewed or lead to inaccurate conclusions. So to limit racial or any other form of bias for that matter, using a larger and more diverse and inclusive data set to train the AI and facial recognition technology will enhance and improve the results. And moving on to your second questions on corporates preventing misuse. There is certainly an onus on corporates to prevent misuse and certainly controls that they can put in place. For examples, a few might include enhancing security controls and conducting thorough checks on any automated AI decisions and profiling based on FRT data. Practically speaking, this could be done by using reliable data sets and enhancing the knowledge and awareness of the developers of the FRT system so that they can better validate the results of the FRT during the testing period ahead of it actually being deployed. 
It's also worth noting that many countries, such as Denmark, have also introduced mandatory legislation for AI and data ethics for corporates to observe, further promoting the principles of privacy, ethics and trust by design. Thank you, Sam. It would be really insightful if you could share with us interesting use cases of your party dealt by you or that you have come across and how privacy compliance was implemented there. Sure. The first interesting example that I can think of is a casino example. So in the past, we've been asked to conduct a data privacy impact assessment, a DPIA for a casino wishing to deploy FRT, not only for access, but actually for the safety of certain individuals. Let me explain. So in many countries, individuals can self-exclude or declare on a completely voluntary basis if they experience problematic gambling, essentially a gambling addiction of some sort. So after they self-declare, their names are logged on a national database. This particular casino was implementing facial recognition systems to improve their ability to keep these individuals out of the casino so as to not encourage or promote their gambling addiction. The primary purpose here is to protect problem gamblers. However, think about it. A casino might want to use FRT for other business reasons, like to identify loyal customers or high rollers and provide them with a better experience. They might also want to use technology to detect any criminal activity. The team conducted a really detailed risk assessment to document the use of FRT throughout the life cycle of the data from how it was being collected to exactly what it was being used for and its purposes, how it was being transferred, stored and eventually deleted. The DPIA can help with many things. It helped to validate and confirm a lot of the information communicated within a privacy notice. It also helped to identify the need for defined procedures and processes for staff when handling the FRT data. And a DPIA can also demonstrate the accountability principle, forming a detailed record of how the casino had contemplated and mitigated any associated risk. The other use case that I thought was interesting was not one that I worked on personally, but read about in the news last year. A popular theme park in the US introduced a contactless way of entering their theme parks using FRT. So the key risks here would be managing consent and making sure individuals, children, parents and guardians are properly aware of how their data is being used. The second thing is conducting the legal analysis to justify that this form of data collection using FRT is actually necessary. Not to mention that here we're dealing with children's data and as you well know, this would certainly heighten risk levels. A key re recommendation in this instance could include strict consent processes and privacy notice information for parents and guardians also offering a an alternative way of entering the park so they're not negatively impacted if they don't provide their consent. I also believe that I read the park defined clear retention periods for the data, deleting the data within 30 days of being admitted to the park.
So those were a few interesting use cases that I thought I'd share with you. Thank you, Sam. That was really interesting and useful too. My final question is, what are the key factors that will enable responsible use of your party? I think we would all agree that FRT and other technologies need to be implemented responsibly. Sorry. I think that that is threefold. Firstly, regulation with active monitoring and enforcement by regulatory bodies. Secondly, corporates not only being compliant, but also understanding the ethical and social impact when developing and implementing new technologies. And thirdly, individuals being able to exercise their own choice over their data in line with what they are comfortable with when they have the chance to do so. Thank you, Sam, for that crisp response. We have now come to the end of the podcast. Sam, thanks to you once again for being with us today. We hope our listeners enjoyed listening to this podcast. Thank you, Sam, and thank you to our listeners. Listeners, tune into our podcast anytime on Queen Mary's Legal Rights. Stay in touch for more podcasts on tech issues. Bye.